0: Hear the word of God, would you? A very familiar passage now to you, after six weeks. But from first of all, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, beginning at verse sixteen. Again, um, Mary had had witnessed to the disciples what Jesus had revealed to her. Jesus said, "Meet me in Galilee. Tell my disciples." He is risen from the dead and He will meet with you in Galilee. So Matthew recounts that. They went to Galilee. And in verse 16 we read, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, our verse for today, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, the very word of God.
1: From Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42 we hear these words now as they went on their way Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching but Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said Lord Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the very word of God.
0: I do not in any way want to diminish um, the word of God. And, um, and so forgive me if I do. I don't, I don't intend that. But I did have a, a teacher flashback when she did that. Martha, you're an idiot, Martha. What are you doing? Right. So many times when we when we um, hear someone say that we, we slip into something's wrong with me. Something must be wrong in this picture. I have to confess that most of the time when I've approached this passage, that's been my experience. And Martha, get it together, woman. Can't you see that there's something more important going on here? And it's really easy to jump to conclusions. And and you're not alone if you find yourself doing that. Uh, Most commentators do the same kind of thing. They jump to this conclusion that there is black and there is white. There is right and there is wrong. And, and, And... uh, and all the Marthas in the room go, "Now here we go again. He's going to beat up on Martha. Not at all. Not at all. Um, there is invitation in the Word of God. And my great prayer is that I can be a good steward of that invitation. In fact, let me just pray right now. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable. God, a fragrant offering to you. Oh, Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Oh, amen, oh, amen. Um, uh, a friend of mine was was um, reflecting that on Father's Day we beat men to a pulp, and on Mother's Day we celebrate um, happy, happy. <laughs> so uh, nobody's going to accuse me of that after this. Um, and um, today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at this amazing story and and um, and trust that God's going to speak to us through it. But I want to uh, just divorce you for just a second from the male- female aspect of it, because um I think that's what Jesus does. It's not about a female Martha and a female uh, Mary. It's about um people, right and And guys especially, if you found yourself not relating to this um because um it's it's about a story about two women, guess what? Our sisters do that for us all the time, right? All the time we're using stories about men and, 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 um, and they translate in their minds and understand that it's not just about men. It's about men and women. This is about human beings, broken human beings who have a desperate need that we're not always aware of, and, and it doesn't matter whether we're male or female. All of us need that. What is this need the cue for it, I think, comes from our study. And that simple phrase, we'll unpack it a little bit later, but that simple phrase, Behold, Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Many of us over the last months, those words have, have rung in a deeper sense true for us. These things are true for us. But Jesus is making an incredible promise. And so I chose our passage to study today, not because of the male-female or because of its Mother's Day, but because Jesus is in the midst of these people. And, and we're getting a front row seat on how we can respond to them as well, excuse me, to him as well. So there's a problem, and I want to just take a moment and kind of unpack the problem. And the problem is not what you wouldn't, you might think. The problem is not that, that Martha is a type A person and, and Mary is a type B person. It's not that, that Martha is a, a doer and Mary is a beer. It's really easy, almost too easy to slip into that. And probably you know, if you are not that person yourself, you know someone who is like Martha, who is task-oriented and and a doer, and finds comfort in in doing things, and 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 so that's okay. But what happens is, is oftentimes those kinds of people. Um, uh, bite off more than they can chew. They commit themselves to more than they can possibly do by themselves. And so they count on other people. I, uh, this is a story of my life. I don't consider myself a Martha person, but it is a story of my life in that I bite off more than I can chew. And if it weren't for some wonderful people who surround me, I would be in deep bandini. Didn't mean to say that, but you know what I mean. I would be in deep fertilizer. and um, And so... So when, when we find ourselves overwhelmed, then we start to look around and say, how come everybody else isn't, isn't responding like I'm responding? How come everybody else doesn't feel the same burden that I'm feeling? How come everybody else isn't, isn't um, helping me right now? And, and, and I think we see in the story that, that, that Martha's struggling with that. Her sister... Is not responding to the presence of a guest in their home like Martha is. We're not told what, we're not told what the um, serving that Martha is doing. See, you, Jersey, she she, she was worshiping, she was worshiping, but um, oh, we're so grateful to God for Jersey. Um, not everyone else responds in the way that we think they should. You have to understand that in that culture. Um, that was that was the woman's responsibility to be the hostess right and 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 as we've seen over and over again in in scripture jesus kind of turns that upside down he turns everything we thought we knew about roles upside down he turns everything we thought we knew about ourselves upside down you see in that culture a woman might be preparing the meal while the men sat and listened to Jesus, right? But but look what's happening here. Look what's happening. Uh, and, and the wording is very important. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. That's code language in the Bible. For Mary is a disciple of Jesus. She's sitting at his feet and learning from him. And it and probably would have been okay, except that Martha had gotten herself in a deep hole and and was noticing that, that Mary wasn't helping, and so uh, begins to resent that. Do you ever struggle with that kind of resentment? It starts uh, like that, that proverbial, uh, biblical root of bitterness, this little tiny thing, a little, mm, well, that's weird, right? And then, and then it kind of continues for a while. And you start saying, well, no, that's not weird. That's strange. No, that's not strange. That's wrong. No, that's not wrong. That's disobedient. We get this whole process outlined in our mind and, and get ourselves, well, the word that, that Jesus will use is stirred up. Stirred up inside because of it. There is a problem. The problem is not that one person is right and the other is wrong. The problem, as Jesus defines it, is that, that Martha is anxious or worried and stirred up. The literal word is, is divided. She's, she's distracted by these other things. And you've seen that already in my mind as I was even speaking to you a few moments ago that something else was distracting me as I went to that. Well, we, we can guess together what she's worried about. I have speculated quite a bit already on that, but what is she distracted from? Right? What, is, what is Martha distracted from? Let's press pause just for a moment in the Martha story, and I apologize for going back and forth like this, but go back to the Great Commission, right? Over the last six weeks, we've, we've been studying the seminal words of Jesus who audaciously claimed that all authority in heaven and on earth was given to him, right? And, and, and you ask yourself, what is the point of that audacious claim if it doesn't affect us? But we discovered together that it does. All authority and in heaven and on earth had been given to Jesus, and now Jesus gives it to us. Jesus commissions us, right? Commissions us to make disciples who will make disciples. And over the past weeks, we've looked at, he even gives us very explicit instructions on how to do that. He said, "In, in whatever you do, wherever you go, in your going, make fully devoted followers or learners, lifetime learners of Jesus, right? And he tells us even more. How do we do that? You immerse them. Do you remember that a couple of weeks ago? You immerse them in the character and, and the very community of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you, you symbolize that by the act of water baptism. But, but, but what you're really doing in that process is recognizing that God has opened up his very nature to us. And you're immersing yourself and the ones who are walking with you, whether it be your children or your co-workers or that particular woman or man that God has invited you to disciple. You immerse them in the character and community of Christ, of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And then then last week we saw that, that, that teaching is really important, but it's not teaching for... For intellectual ascent or for greater knowledge, as as wonderful as those things are, um, it's it's teaching instead for obedience, to put into practice. Do you remember, God has given us His wisdom already, and when you are discipling someone, you are you are uh, inviting them, you are teaching them to respond, to to hear to obey and to put into practice. That's why those nagging questions have been in your bulletin every week. What are you going to do as a response to this? Who are you going to tell what God is saying to you? So we've explored together what this amazing purpose is that God has given us. Well, I don't think that I would have as much confidence in me as apparently Jesus does. Maybe maybe you feel that way. Who am I to be given all authority in heaven and on earth to make followers of Jesus? But here's the reality. We are Jesus' plan A, right? And there is no plan B. There is none. We saw that he left us figuratively through the disciples that were present in his day and went and continues to be at the right hand of God the Father. If there is a presence of Jesus in the world, it looks at you in the mirror every morning. If there is a presence of Jesus in the world, it's us. It's us. He, Let me say this very clearly and strongly. He has entrusted the future of his kingdom on earth to us. Say it again. Jesus has entrusted the future of his kingdom on earth to you. So the measure, not, not of our worth, but of our obedience... The measure of our obedience is whether or not we do what He told us to do. We pour our lives into others who will pour their lives into still others. Now, I don't know about you. I uh, feel so unworthy of such a commission. Uh, and, and, it, and it goes beyond that. I, I feel... Um, helpless i feel helpless to fulfill it that's why that's why i love the great commission that 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 jesus isn't done yet when we when we learn teaching to obey he's got more for us when we feel helpless and 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 it's appropriate that that we are looking at this on mother's day because mothers how many times have you been in that place where you had absolutely no clue what to do you felt helpless to, uh, to bless and raise your children in a way that would equip them for the future. I know just recently Karen was saying to me that, that, that she thought that process would be done when they went away to school, right? When they turned 18 and the great wake-up call for us is that job's never over, is it? That, I'm not trying to imply that they're still, we're having to work hard. I'm saying you still feel that burden. You still feel that weight through your whole life. Through your whole life. Discipleship is a lot like motherhood. Right? You love them and you lead them and the job is not done until you have entrusted them to Jesus. Well, that's why the very helplessness is why the end of the Great Commission is so beautiful. Do you see it? Behold, don't miss this. Literally, looky there, right? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me say that slightly differently. I am with you. I am with you always to the very end of the age, not the end of the day, not the end of the week not even the end of your life. Thank you, God. But to the end of the age until the kingdom of God comes completely to earth, until Jesus returns, I am with you. Jesus said. If you're wondering about the mechanics of it, we walked through this in our Sunday school class this morning. Remember how Jesus left the Trinity and came down to humanity and lived as a human being amongst us and ultimately gave his life for humanity. And then God validated that by raising him from the dead. And at the ascension, what happened to Jesus then? Um, um, He returned to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Excuse me, to the Father and the Spirit, right? And then there was this 10-day period that we are in right this moment. This 10-day period of anticipation, of prayer, and of waiting. And then, I'm sorry for the visual example, but the Holy Spirit left, and this is artificial for me to say this, but left the presence that he has always enjoyed and came to dwell where? In each of us, right? So that we might be included in this community. The the artificial part was that he left because God's not bound by time or space, right? But, But so that you and I might experience the presence of God, that you and I might experience the promise of God, the Holy Spirit came and as we'll celebrate next week, dwelled in us uniting again now, not only the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who have forever been in community together, but now including us as well unless you miss it in the midst of that i said it the very first time when jesus said i am with you he used the very name if i was going to make it in english here i'm going to butcher this but let me follow me for a second yahweh with you cuz what did the name yahweh mean i am right we miss that because it's translated into english but they did not miss it god with you god in you god for you that is the gift of the great commission you feel helpless so do i i feel helpless but jesus has made an incredible promise And it's not just about our doing. Don't make any mistake here. There's work to do. Clearly, Jesus said, my father's working and so am I. There is work to do. And Luke does what so often happens in Scripture. He sets up a story and then doesn't tell us what happened at the end of it. It's almost like he's asking us, where do you find yourself in the story? Who do you identify with? What will be your response to what you heard? Are there any Marthas out there? True confessions. Any Marthas out there? The People in the back row are always much more brave than the people in the front row. Do you understand? There's no condemnation for that. Jesus loves and needs Marthas. A critical part. He made you that way. You're critical part of the body of Christ. This is not a rebuke about Marthahood, right? Um, this is not a rebuke. This is this is an invitation, Martha's. This is an invitation. Are there any Marys out there? Everybody's afraid to identify. None. Okay. Okay. A couple. I I I think that. I'm a Mary, and I surround myself with Marthas. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's interesting. Why is that? Is it is it our, our 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 national culture that we only celebrate doing and not being? Is you know is that part of it, or, or are we all firstborns? Or you know <laughs> what is that? What I'm not sure what it is, but um. But it seems like. Jesus' words to Martha are a word to many of us today. So let's, let's look more closely at the story. Can we do that? It's, it's weird, but this seems to be... I'm so used to, to studying out of the Gospel of John where we, we know and automatically assume that, that Martha and Mary and Lazarus were, were close friends with Jesus. But it appears that this is the first time that they've met. That language, as we read the story, seems to indicate, the, the, Luke is telling us, you probably don't know these guys, but, but there's this woman named Martha and she had a sister named Mary. So it's very possible that this is the actual first time that, that at least that Jesus was in their home, right? He's, he's a guest in their home and, and uh, he's a well-known guest by this time in the in the gospel of Luke he's already sent out the disciples this is Luke chapter 10 right and so so he's sent out not only the 12 he sent out the 72 they're having a tremendous impact on the world people people are noticing that Christ has an effect on culture and and now He's in their home. Jesus is in Martha's home. And so she feels that burden like many of you are feeling. If you're having guests today for Mother's Day, you're feeling that pressure. I wish he would finish so that I can get home and and get dinner ready. Um, She's feeling that pressure. And and as we said earlier, um, Mary is not feeling any of that pressure. Mary is just reveling in the presence of Jesus, literally sitting at his feet Martha has has gotten distracted and anxious and and is upset. And in your Sunday school classes, you said, what do you think the goal for Martha was? The goal is to honor Jesus, right? They've got a guest. She's got a guest in her home. The goal is to honor Jesus. But what does she do? She feels the stress and she brings that stress to Jesus. Jesus, my sister's not helping. Prepare, I'm assuming, prepare the meal for you. Tell her to help me. Right? And So we see the levels of this? Expressing to your guests your personal problems. Secondly, demanding that the guests do something about your personal problem. But did you see the third one? Several of you caught this this morning. Saying, don't you care, Jesus? You don't even care that my sister... Holy cow! Uh, I mean, we're way the sticks out of bounds on this, right? The irony of this just drips. She who wanted to honor this guest that is in her midst is, is bringing all these burdens to him. And it's so beautiful, isn't it? I, I, could, I could listen to Beth say it over again Martha, Martha. Right? We've seen over and over again when something's repeated. In Scripture, it's intensified, right? You've experienced this when your mom called you home. Dave. My mom never called me Dave. David. David, come home. David Michael. Right? You've experienced that. If it ever did, get to David Michael Mills. You get in this house right now. I knew I was already toast, right? Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha. Substitute your name. Substitute your name for a second. Do you hear it? Do you hear him say, speak to you? You're worried, distracted by many things. But Mary, one thing is necessary, right? She she knew it. That's why she was doing what she was doing. One thing is necessary. And Mary has found it and it will not be taken away. One thing is necessary. What is it? What is it that's necessary? What's the purpose of this story? Each of us has to wrestle with what that one thing is. It smacks of Billy Crystal and I I don't know why I love those old movies, but Billy Crystal and what? City Slickers and one thing, right? Um, Before there was Billy Crystal, there was Jesus. And he was saying, there's one thing that's necessary here. We've got to find what that is. And I don't want to interfere with what God is doing in your life. And I'm trusting that if His Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you're listening to that Holy Spirit. But if I could, I just want to reflect on what it speaks to me and, and see if that resonates in, in your heart as well. Putting together these two passages, the Great Commission and the story of Martha and Mary. I want to I suggest that the one thing that was necessary for them and the one thing that's necessary for us is to recognize Jesus' presence in our midst. To recognize, you're going, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He's not, well, he said he would be. He said he would be. Could it be that the reason we don't feel his presence in our midst is because we're so busy doing what we think he wants us to do that we lost track of him? The one thing that is necessary is to recognize our guest is with us. God is with us. Martha was doing many things ostensibly for Jesus but she wasn't fulfilling the most important aspect of hospitality. She wasn't giving gracious attendant uh, excuse me gracious attention to her guests. Her guests. And Jesus has made you a promise that he will be your guest. He boy just another movie flashed in my mind. He will he will come and make his dwelling with you and live in you, he will be your guest. So maybe, maybe we need to balance the serving, even beloved who do this so well, the serving of Jesus. Maybe we need to balance that with listening to him, to sitting at his feet. He invited to do this one full day a week, one full day a week to listen for his voice, to speak to him to experience recreation in His presence. He invites us to live out His presence and power. Live out the Great Commission. Not out of worry. Not out of fear. Not out of concern for what others may or may not be doing. He invites us to recognize His presence, to listen to His voice, to live out His presence and power. And I'm interpreting a little bit right here, but, but I think it's justified to know that we're valued by Jesus not just for what you do or how well you do it, but for who you are, for who you are, who are you? Who are you? Now I ask you to identify with, is there someone in this story that, that you resonate with? But the most important question is, who are you? Are you, like so many of us men, are you identified by what you do? Is that who you are, really? Really? The clue for who you are is who Jesus is. Do you remember what His Father said to Him twice so that we would not miss it at His baptism, at His transfiguration? Do you remember? He said, You are my beloved child. You are my beloved child. And I am pleased... With you. You're trying somehow to please someone who's already pleased with you. There's nothing you can do that would make him more pleased with you. And there's nothing that you can do or could have done or have done to you that would make him less pleased with you. So, why are you afraid? Why are you anxious? Why are you so disturbed in your spirit?
2: You're precious to God. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. Come flows right through
0: For another moment. Makes sense, doesn't it? If if God could do all those miracles, if He could part the Red Sea, if He could raise Lazarus from the dead, He can enable you to be His child. He can enable you to fulfill His commission. He could enable you to be and fulfill his purpose. I love, I love these stories that Jesus gives us. Some of them, parables that he made up, but many of them like this one, actual experiences that he had. You see, in, in, in a culture of hectic schedules like ours and, and the relentless pursuit of, of productivity, we're so tempted to measure our worth by how busy we are, by how much we accomplish, or by how well we meet the expectations of others. Hello? Hello? You're never going to meet the expectations of others. Why try and meet the expectations of everyone else when all you really need to do is please one, one, the one who loved you, who created you, who formed it. So who do you identify with in the story? We saw so many of us identify with Martha, feeling pulled in different directions, feeling worried and distracted by many things. Jesus
2: says to us,
0: which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? We know that being anxious, being stirred up, worrying does no good. And that much of what we worry about is not really important in the larger scheme of things. Yet we cannot seem to quell the anxiety that rises up within us. So it happens from the most noble of intentions. We want to provide for our families. I'm not diminishing that at all. We want to give our children every opportunity to enrich their lives. I'm not diminishing that. We want to serve our neighbors and and especially we want to serve the Lord. Where would we be? Where would we be as a church without Martha's? Without those faithful folks who who perform the tasks of hospitality and service so vital to making this place a place that's welcoming. And yet, in all of our activities, we have no time. We make no time to be in the Lord's presence and hear His Word. I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of my life, if I am blessed like Moses to be able to stand on that that mountaintop one day and to look back and see my life. He did that when he was 120 years old. I don't want to stand there and not be able to enter in. Oh, we'll see Moses in heaven. It wasn't about heaven. What he missed was the experience of the promised land now. Don't be a slave to fear. Don't spend your life in anxious worry about things that you can't control. Choose instead to sit at the feet of Jesus. Stand with us. Let's sing our closing hymn together.